Let's look here in Genesis and uh, chapter number 50. Uh, Joseph's brethren find out who he is as he is second in command, prime minister in Egypt under the authority of Pharaoh. And uh, so it is here they come together in full revelation. And they have confessed to him in verse 15 down through verse 18. But verse number 19, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save. He said all God was doing through all this was doing some saving. Well, that's a great truth for a young heart to cleave to when he's going through what Joseph has gone through. It's much of what he said in chapter 45 and verse number 8. He said, so, over well, 7, God sent me before you to preserve you to a, a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it's not you that sent me here, but God. I'm thinking about this matter of Salvation, the truth of salvation as, uh, as has been embedded as God has put it in, no doubt, Joseph's heart and he so vividly reveals the workings of God in salvation. Now, let me go to the New Testament, of course, and quote some verses. Uh, Matthew 1, 21, And thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save. Uh, it's not just a sad tale or story when Jesus came into this world and lived and died and was buried. He came and went through all that because God was going to do a saving work. And if you think he did a saving work in Joseph's day, wow, what a saving work he did through Christ and his sacrifice and resurrection on the cross. John 3, 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I'm glad He came first and foremost to save. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts chapter number 16, verse number... 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Don't we love that word, saved? Can't make too much of being saved. A Hebrew writer said, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost who come unto God by him. I'm glad Christ brought us salvation and that he is our salvation. And as Jonah said, salvation belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. And neither is there salvation in any other name, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be what? Saved. 
saved, hallelujah, saved by his marvelous, wonderful grace. And isn't it a blessing to be saved here tonight, whether you've been saved six months, six years, 60 years, and still your heart is vibrant, and it thunders from your soul to say, thank God I am saved. But I want, to, uh, I want to say three thoughts, three simple thoughts from this matter of, of salvation, this truth of salvation. We can see it in Joseph's experience. Uh, we can see it throughout the Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, whether we're talking about Moses, Elijah, uh, all the way through to John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, all the way down to you and to me. Three, three components that I want to just mention about this matter of salvation that might bless us tonight. Just stir us up. Because there's a great, there, is a, there, is a great, uh, there is a great strength in it. I would say to all of our hearts tonight, young and old, that these truths that God buries deep in us the earlier the better that will sustain us. I thought about Job and his experience. You know, uh, I can't find anywhere in the book of Job that he seemed to understand the reasons for what happened to him. Uh, he gives no conclusive remarks as to why his children died, why he had faced physical uh, sickness and ailments and and all of these other things. But yet in chapter number 19, uh, verse 25 and 26, he said, I know. Here's what carried him through all that. I know that my Redeemer liveth, that in the latter day he shall stand upon the earth. And though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall behold for myself. Somebody said, Job, how in the world did you get through all that that you didn't know? He said, because there was two or three things I did know. And boy, these great divine truths that God buries in our heart, as he did in Joseph's heart, that he knew all along going through that, that God was doing a saving work. God was doing a saving work. And realize and understand that even in, in this age, in these last days, in 2015, somebody says, well, what's happening <laughs> amidst the darkness. God is doing a saving work. When it's all over, we'll understand. The three things I would suggest to you about this, this great truth in this young heart, the truth about salvation. First of all, if you're saved here tonight, if you're saved here tonight, it is indication, it is a good indication that he had already been saving you before he ever got you to the place to where he saved you. Uh, he had been saving you to get you to where he could save you. Now, now I understand that's a little something to chew on. <laughs> he didn't just save you. He had to save you many times before he could get you to where he could really save you. Now, Joseph's brethren didn't understand what was happening. 
in, as a result of what happened in Joseph's life. They didn't know that everything that was going and unfolding when, when, when they were blinded back at home, they didn't know that his, his slavery, his, his imprisonment, they didn't know that his, his, uh, his being bound, they didn't know that all of that was God doing a saving work in their lives to get them to the place that finally he could save them. Now, Romans chapter 2, the Bible said it is the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. You had to be led to repentance, didn't you? Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. (laughs) He had to bring it to you. The Apostle Paul understood it in measure but when he said, but it, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. In other words, if you'll look back now and you do so here tonight in your mind, If you are saved, how many are saved? Raise your hand. You meditate for a moment and go back beyond the point of being saved and look at those different events along the course of your life to where if God Almighty hadn't providentially set that up, you would have never gotten to where you could be saved. He was saving you from a lot of things to get you to where he could save you. Are you understanding that? You're looking a little perplexed. Let me explain it with my own life. I mentioned this morning uh, my dad being an alcoholic raised in that home without a mother. And alcohol was the vice of the generations of my family. Uh, I have buried uh, a dad and uh, four brothers as a result of it. And uh, it, is, it is a terrible vice. But being raised in that environment, uh, it, it, was, it, was a, uh, it was an atmosphere in which there was no wrong when it came to getting involved in what was wrong. Uh, my dad would go, he'd have a long chain vacation, and he would buy all different types of alcohol, liquor, vodka, things of that nature. He would bring it into our home. Kid, no mother. And we would, all be, we would all be allowed to partake of that. It, it, and I know that sounds terrible, but that, that was the home that I was raised in. But here's what I'm trying to say to you. That I really never had a taste for it, but there were two times, understand this, twice, In my early age, I was probably 11 and 12 years old when I got intoxicated, I mean drunk. Both times, I became so sick. I mean, to put it politely, I regurgitated everywhere. The last time I did so, I woke up. I don't know how I got there, but I woke up on my neighbor's porch throwing up. And it was there as a, as a 12-year-old boy, I said in my mind, I said in my mind, this is before I was saved, but I said in my mind, I don't know what my dad and my brothers and my uncles and my cousins get out of this, but it ain't helping me. So here's the truth of it. At 12 years old, 
before I, before I ever really took on the vice. Twelve years old, I quit drinking. I was a teetotaler. <laughs> I said he saved me before he ever saved me. I remember my sister was dating a boy from over on Mudsuck. You got to go to West Virginia to find that. His dad owned a grocery store, and so he would steal the cigarettes and bring them. We'd smoke them. Here I am again, 11 years old or so, and so we smoked cigarettes. And after about a week or so, I began to cough up this green stuff. I was coughing all the time. <laughs> again, in my mind, I said, you know what? I don't know what this smoking's doing to everybody else, but it's killing me. I quit. <laughs> I was a teetotal. I quit smoking. I quit chewing. Now, stealing in my family, as I said, there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, my, my brothers would steal the cereal from the store, and then we would go, and back then, they would, uh, <clears throat> they would deliver the milk in the glass jugs. You remember that? Had a plastic handle. You couldn't go wrong. If you broke the jug, you still got 25 cents for the handle. And... Uh, they would set me up to go because I was so young, six, seven years old. And I can remember one time going up those, uh, that, uh, to that porch and, and they had two gallons there. I could barely carry them. I picked them up and I started off and then, and, and, and I heard a voice behind me said, and, and who knew who I was said, Dana, where are you going with our milk? I said, nowhere. I sat down and I run. I can remember stealing on three occasions. I got caught all three times. You know what I did? I quit stealing. I th I'm telling you the truth. Some of you are holding your billfolds right now, but I'm telling you the truth. As a kid, I said, you know what? You always get caught. I do. And many other, many other vices, many other uh, things that was in a home, as you can imagine, I was raised in. It just seemed like, and oftentimes as I go back to West Virginia to preach, as I did just a, a month ago in several places there, uh, I'll take my wife, and as we go through those areas, she'll say to me, Honey, I don't even know how you survived. And I say to her, which she already knows really, the only way I could have survived was God saved me in every turn so he could get me to the place that he could save me. <laughs> but aren't you glad for those, those providential hands of God that, that put you in certain places and, and directed you in certain directions to get you to the place that really when you look at it, you say, well, you know, God had to be the one. I mean, he didn't just save me. He saved me before he ever saved me to get me to where he could save me. Woo! <laughs> He saved you, hallelujah. The day you were born again, yes, He saved you. But honey, you got no idea how many times He saved you to get you where He could save you. Ah, that's a wonderful truth, isn't it? I am so thrilled as I look back over my life to see the saving hand of God. Now I know the initial work of salvation took place when I got saved, when I was born again, but to see His hand those many, many, many years before. Now the second thing I want to say to you. If you are saved, 
as Joseph saw this great truth of salvation, if you were saved, he was not only saving you before he saved you, but if, he, if you are saved, if you are saved, he never stops saving you. He never stops saving you. This is not just a one-time, oh, yes, I know the birthing aspect, getting into, yes, yes, I know. But, honey, salvation is not something that happened for me 46 years ago, and that's all there was to it. I'm going to tell you, every step of the way, from there to now, I understand and see that God's hand has been protecting me and saving me. He just keeps on saving me. (laughs) that's why this thing of salvation is so real it's not some old worn out dusty experience years ago it's something you can enjoy every day you can see it every day I like what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 16 he said my first answer no man stood with me but all men forsook me I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all all the Gentiles may, may hear. He said, I was delivered, and I was delivered out of the mouth of lions. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. He said, it's a package deal. He not only saved me so he could save me, but he saved me so he could keep on saving me. It's sort of like the shepherd in the 23rd Psalm. How that all along the journey, it is the shepherd that sets up the meal so that they can graze. It is the shepherd that steals the water so they can drink. It is the shepherd who who protects them over the enemy. It is the shepherd who takes them through the valley of the shadow of death. In every step of the way, the thing that encourages the sheep is they know that they've got a saving shepherd that will take them every step that they need to go. I'm glad, I'm glad for a Savior who keeps on saving Jude 1 and verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, said he's going to keep on saving you. I'm glad for this matter of salvation, aren't you? (laughs) I say he saves us so he can get us to where he can save. He may be doing that in somebody's life right now that you know and you think that, man, there's just no good going to come out of this. Joseph's brethren are of the devil. They're headed for hell. And yet God's setting up a saving work. <laughs> They're crucifying the Son of God. They're crucifying the Lord of glory. And, and I'll tell you, this is, such a, this, this is a, a, a damning work. No, it ain't. It's a saving work. And to realize that what we go through in life, God is doing. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, 2015, I know it looks bad, but honey, God's doing a saving work. 
Who knows it may be tomorrow or the next day that it will be your son that gets saved or your daughter that gets saved or your friend that gets saved or someone else on the job that gets saved. And after they get saved, let them tell you the story of what was going on in their lives and you didn't even realize that God was saving before He was saving. And surely we could all testify in this hour of the saving work of the Lord. The saving work of the Lord. Uh, I heard Brother Darren say this. I had mentioned this thought at his church, and he got up and he said, you know, I was driving from Asheville, I believe it was, to, to home, and he said, my mind got on to counting the cars that we passed. And he said, I got, and he said, my wife was trying to talk to me. And, and he said, she said, well, you're not listening to me. And, and he said, no, what I'm doing is I'm counting the cars. And so she helped him count the cars. And I forget, you'll have to ask him, 800 and some cars from here to Spruce Pine, or from somewhere to Spruce Pine. And she said, now tell me why you're counting the cars. He, called, he said, because I just realized that every time I pass one of them cars, God just saved me again. <laughs> any one of them could have swerved any one of them could have had a heart attack and crossed the lane any one of them could have been drunk or drugged up God kept you got no idea how much saving he's doing to keep you until he gets you to heaven he said unto him Simon, Simon Satan hath desired to sift thee as sweet but I have prayed for thee <laughs> The saving prayers of the Son of God sitting on the right hand of God on your behalf and on my behalf. I got no idea how much saving he's done for me today. But I know he's still in the saving business. He's still saving me. But now let me give you this uh, this If you're saved, hallelujah. He was saving you before he ever saved you. If you're saved, he ain't done saving you. He's going to keep on saving you. Now, I'm not talking about re-saving. <laughs> I'm talking about he's keeping you and he's delivering you. I'm not like one fellow. They asked him, said, are you saved? He said, oh, yeah, I've been saved off and on 20 years. Well, I don't think there's an off and on. But I do believe that God delivers and, and keeps us in many ways. But on this last thought, I would suggest to you that if God has saved you, He has saved you because, buckle your seatbelt, He has saved you because he wants to use you to do some saving. You say, why in the world did the Lord preserve Joseph through all that like he did? Because he wanted to do some saving through him. He said, he's raised me up to do some saving. You said, but I thought the Lord was the only... Oh yeah, he's the author and finisher of our faith. He is the, he is the one that paid and wrought this matter of salvation. But hey, he's not here physically tonight. What he does is he saves you and then he's going to use you so he can save somebody else. 
If you are saved, he saved you because he wanted you to do some saving. You said, but I didn't know I could do any saving. Jude said, let him know that he that converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, if you're saved, I can remember when I got saved, the first thing I wanted to do was get somebody else saved. I got on my little bicycle and got, went over to my brother's houses and stuff and run them crazy about what just happened to me. I got saved. You need to get saved. God, isn't it amazing how much saving God can do through one person that he saves? Look at Joseph. He saved him, and as a result of him, he saved his father, he saved his brothers, and then um, he saved Israel for all of those years that he was down in Egypt raising up a nation. God just kept saving, and in essence, he used Joseph to save the whole world because the famine came, and Joseph was the man that knew what to do because of the famine. God used him to save somebody and someone. He used him to save some people. see, He has saved you. Not just to, ju- to save you alone, but He has saved you because someone else needs to be saved. Now, let me say it this way. God never saved anyone. Ponder it now. God never saved anyone but what He used somebody that he had already saved. Isn't that true? God has never saved anybody. He's never saved a man, but what he didn't use, a man that he had already saved, or a woman that he had already saved. Whatever, he's used somebody that he wrought salvation in their heart, and he used them to carry that glorious, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. Why are they preaching the gospel? Because they're saved. And they want you to be saved. And when you are saved, you want someone else to be saved. <laughs> Woo. How important that is. As a matter of fact, I guess I could say it this way. If you've never done any saving, you've never had no desire to do any saving, it may be a good sign that you've never been saved. If you've never wanted a brother to be saved or a sister to be saved or a son to be saved or a daughter to be saved or someone you work with, on the, if you've never really cared about anybody else being saved, you're probably not saved. Because I'm pretty sure if he saved you, he's going to put that want in you to see someone else get what you've got. He's going to want you to do some saving. And it's amazing how much he can do through saving one person. Wow. It's amazing what he can do through your life and your life and my life when one person's being saved because he's got in mind so many other lives that he wants to be touched. I'm thinking about Noah. The Hebrew writer said that, that there was eight was saved on that ark because Noah, by faith, built that ark. Eight folks saved. 
that's what was on the ark. But that wasn't all that was saved. You say, well, what else did Noah save? I'm talking about Noah. Noah was saved. His family was saved. Noah was saved when he built that ark. But have you ever thought about everything and everybody that got saved when Noah got saved? Now you're looking puzzled again. Let's put it this way. If Noah hadn't got saved, we ate, you know what we ate today? One of the things we ate was fried chicken. I love fried chicken. But did you know that if Noah hadn't got saved and built that ark, there wouldn't be no fried chicken? You say, well, there wouldn't be no chicken. Hmm. I'll tell you something else, there wouldn't be no steak. As a matter of fact, if Noah had not built that ark and had gotten saved, there'd be no you and there'd be no me. So when we get to heaven, what we can do is hug old Noah's neck and say, thank you for saving me. Because in that he was saved, God used him in building that ark. And as a result of that, you're here today and you are saved. Saved because somebody else is saved. Oh, I'm so glad that I'm saved, aren't you? If you're saved, you realize God handled the events saved you so many times to get you to where you could hear the gospel and be saved. And you know that as in Joseph's life, he had just kept on in every situation, he has kept on saving you. But let us understand that he never saved someone, anyone, just for themselves. He saves you because he not only loves you, he loves somebody else. And he wants to save you so you can be used to him to touch somebody else's life so they can be saved. It's not about an edifice. It's not about a facility. It's not about a, and this is a beautiful, spectacular building, but it's about salvation. And it's not about being a member of a church and it's not about singing in the choir and it's not about just sermons. It's about things that have to do with people being saved. If God does anything, He does it because first and foremost, He wants to do and does and is constantly doing a saving work. And the thing that delivered Joseph through all of those years is he knew one thing. He said, it may look bad, but I'm telling you when it's all over, you'll understand that what God Almighty was doing was saving me so he could save somebody else. He's just saving. (laughs) And let's haul off and tell the devil tonight, no matter what he's doing in Washington or anywhere else, that God Almighty's on the scene. He's gonna save. He's been a saving. He ain't gonna stop saving. And he's gonna save so he can keep on saving. 
Because we live in a world that needs to be saved. And the blessedness of my, in my heart is that to know God's not finished saving. God's not finished saving. He said, now, boys, y'all meant it for evil. But he said, I'm going to tell you what God's been doing. All along, he's been saving. Oh, let that live in your heart that God is still saving. And for these young people that are here listening to me tonight, that just realize that God will always be on the scene to constantly keep and to save his children. But everywhere we go, in every situation, somebody needs to be saved. And he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. A great truth.